So, we are on, I feel like every single week I said so at the beginning, and I just told myself I wasn't going to do it, and I just did it. Um, okay is a better way, let's say. Okay, so, we have... <laughs> uh, it's the last one. It's the last one you'll have to hear of Star Wars and all my, my, uh, my movies for a while. So, someone actually mentioned that in Slack. Uh, what movie are we talking about today? Believe it or not, none. Um, I don't have a movie analogy today. So we've been talking about corporate worship for the past three weeks. This is now the fourth and last message. Next week is our forum where we're going to discuss it a little more. But today, today is the worship message that brings all of this home. So we have been talking about this foundation that has been set. God is our initiator. God is the one who invites us into worship first and foremost. Sometimes we get that backwards because we think we have to go to God. This is what worship is. The reality is God is still the one who is inviting us into worship. God is the one who shows us what it looks like. And through the work of Jesus, we now have access to God that we never had before in the Old Covenant, that we can actually engage with God in a truly relational level. And what we also see moving forward right now is we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, and this just adds the, the, the dimension of engagement that I'm most excited about talking about today. Um, See, we're, we're a Pentecostal church, so the Holy Spirit is something we actually hold very dear, and, and it's, this is the first chance I've ever gotten to actually preach on it, and, and I am quite excited. This has been a really good series, um, not just, I hope, for you all, but for me as well. It's been a great opportunity to learn um, and, and really strengthen and remind even myself just why we're here and what's, what's valuable about this after, after a couple of years of being unable to meet in person and now the chance to remind ourselves, no, this is very valuable. Sunday morning is a valuable part of God's plan for us, and, and our engagement is essential. And that's today's message. Your engagement is essential. And I don't think I could give any better proof than what just happened this morning. And, and I hope I'm not just giving away the whole message in this moment, but I have to just... What's happened this whole service and, and the, the, the amazing response and the engagement we see is... is I mean, this is the Holy Spirit working. This is God initiating our worship, inviting us into it, and then us responding to it. And every time we, we, we go through an altar call or, or we, we sing in worship, we are being obedient to God's order, what God is doing in us and in the church at the moment in time. And today is just such a great example of that. And I'm going to expand on that a little, I think, a little later as we go. But we're going to start today with, with John 14, 10 to 12. And this is, this is one of the things where we, we see the Holy Spirit now enter the context. So, John 14, 10 to 12. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. So, question, if Jesus is God, why, do we, why did he need the power of the Holy Spirit? This is a question that kind of popped in my curiosity when I was preparing for this message. If Jesus is God, then why did he need the Holy Spirit? And what we read in John here is the Holy Spirit. This is not Jesus' work, this is God's work. But if Jesus is God, right? I mean, we said at the beginning of the message a whole series on the Trinity and how it interplays. That's just too much to cover. But I want to throw that out to you guys and see what you say. If Jesus is God, why did he need the power of the Holy Spirit? And this passage is showing us, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the will of his Father, who dwells in him. Now remember, we now, because of the work of Jesus, have access to that same, that same Father who dwells in us. That is in us now, too. 
And so we see right away, all that Jesus does is in obedience to the will of God. So the thing about this is that we as believers, we should find a great relief in this. Um, Because it's really easy to kind of look at Jesus and ask that question, well, Jesus is God. So all those things he did, I mean, that's amazing. And he says we can do it, but yeah, you know, we all kind of are in our, the back of our minds, like, yeah, but that's Jesus stuff. I mean, we can have faith that he will, and, and Jesus did it because he's Jesus. We kind of, we find our ways to make excuses about that. Um, but this passage, this is Jesus saying, hold on a minute. This stuff isn't me. This isn't human Jesus. This isn't divine Jesus doing this. This is the will of the Father. This is human Jesus acting in obedience to his Father and through the will of the Holy Spirit. Which means that when he's talking about the Holy Spirit now being in us and us being able to do works even greater, just think about that for a moment. We will do works even greater than Jesus. That's bonkers. And, and I mean, Jesus is our guy, right? Jesus is our God. And he's sitting here telling us, no, like these things that I did there, you know, this is, this is the will of the Father, and you are going to do greater things than these. And that, to me, that's wild. See, we are actually empowered by the Spirit of God, to do the works even greater than Jesus. So uh, let me just quickly, I'll pause in Slack here and see what you guys are saying to the question. So, um, no movie reference. We'll see that Slack has to say about that. Yeah, that's true. The first, to be fair, the first movie reference was not my fault. That was someone else's sidetrack. Um, looking forward to what we have to Oh, thank you, Carl. Or thank you, Kent. Um, I just got to check it's Slack here. I'm not as, uh, I'm a little more clunky than Rob is at this. He does this a lot more than I do. Uh, today, the Holy Spirit has really been working so greatly. It is the example of what we are talking about today, 100%. Um, so here's some responses. Because he, because he is the Holy Spirit, they are one. That's a really good point. We talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all being one. This is, this is exactly one of the points. So because he is the Holy Spirit as well, they are one. So could it be that he took on the human mantle and similar to how he can be filled with the Holy Spirit, he took in the Holy Spirit in his human form, per se. This right here is exactly what I think Jesus is saying. And it's, it's the point of where I'm going with this message. Jesus is telling his disciples and making it abundantly clear, divine Jesus didn't do this. This is human Jesus under the influence and empowerment of the Holy Spirit yielding to the will of God. And again, he's saying this, to kind of leave, like to, to, to take himself off of that mantle for a moment and just say, I know you guys think you can't do this, but truly, you can do this because what we're going to read right now in John 14, let's read John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is assuring his disciples that once he leaves, they will then be blessed with, they will, they will be able to do greater works than even he did. So again, it's not Jesus as God doing this, it's Jesus as the human doing this. Last week we talked about how Jesus, one of Jesus' major purposes is he's the human that shows us that we can actually be relational with God. Because he is fully human, we can relate to him as an equal, right? We can't relate to God as an equal because God is another being. He created us. We actually, he's out of our league. But Jesus, as a full human, makes that possible. And Jesus shows us who God is in a way that we can then respond in relationship and obedience. 
So, what's important to remember is the signs and miracles Jesus did in his ministry were never done for his own benefit. That's the next thing. The will of God empowered his actions, but they were always done in the presence of others. This is something I think we actually sometimes miss, because we, 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 you know, we, we do believe in a God that answers our prayer and does miracles. Of course we do. But one of the things we need to remember is that God does these things in order to bring more glory to his kingdom and to himself. So, so there's something to be said when we're, or it's a caution, I guess, that when we're praying for these miracles, we have to consider some of those things. So am I asking this for myself or is this to build God's kingdom? And that's an important perspective I think we need to keep in mind as we talk about submitting to the will of the Holy Spirit. We have, to, we have to, with sober minds, understand to some degree how it works. We'll never fully understand the will of God and what he wants to do in every situation. We can only be obedient to him. Um, but we also, through wisdom and through practice, we get used to, we start learning how God works and being able to, to trust how God works because he is faithful that way. So the Holy Spirit operates in a communal setting for the benefit of others as evidenced by Jesus' ministry. Everything Jesus did that was a miracle was in the, was in the presence of God people in the presence that brought glory to God. So God has, I keep saying it, I now, now I said it, I'm not going to unhear myself say it every single time. God has initiated and prescribed worship centered around his saving action. Jesus has fulfilled the purpose of the law and given us direct access to God and now becomes the context of our worship. And now through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we act in obedience to bring glory to his kingdom. So here's the next question. If God invites, prescribes, and leads our worship, then what's left for us to do, right? So if God's doing all this stuff, if he's the one that shows us what it looks like, invites us into his presence, and then his presence is the thing that kind of works, what do we actually have left to do? That was another interesting question. I didn't actually, the fun thing about, about writing a sermon, and I think every pastor in this room understands this, is you, you start with this idea in your, in your message, and by the end of it, it's something totally different and often always better than what you planned on saying because God's in the process. And, and you get to explore your curiosity. And so it's, it's, that's just a lot of fun. So, 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 so. In the second week, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move on from this though. I can't, I just, I can't unhear it now. So, um, uh, <laughs> I did a drink. <laughs> uh, this has been a bit of a morning. So, I'm going to own it now. In the second week, we saw how worship is an act of obedience. So, let's see on Slack here. So, God can be with everyone at the same time. That's a really good point. Uh, we have to follow. Jesus said yes to God. Let go of ourselves to be swept up in the worship. Uh, when Jesus is gone, we can do great works. That means, that mean, what that means is if we believe and love Jesus, we can be a missionary or something else with the Holy Spirit in you. Yes, absolutely. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> Thanks, Alicia. So, so the, 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 I'm so sorry, everybody. Like, I've, I've said it now, and now it's a thing, and now I just keep reminding myself that I keep saying it and reminding myself that I keep saying that I'm saying it. So now it's just a disaster. This is, this is a disaster. <laughs> <sighs> Lord, this is about you. Thank you so much, God, for all that you've done. And God, you are here, you are speaking, you are moving. And we submit to you this morning, and God, I submit to you this morning. God, these are not my words, these are your words. And God, we just, we give this service to you, we give this time to you, and we worship you, Lord. In the New Testament, Paul writes a lot of, a lot of letters. 
So we're about to go into the next passage here, which is going to be 1 Corinthians. And we see that worship is an act of obedience. So what's left for us to do when God does all of these things and he has all these roles in our worship? The, the last thing we can do is be obedient. That, it's as simple as that in many ways. Our responsibility in a corporate gathering is to submit to the will of God, just as Jesus did. Now, the way that that happens is that's the Holy Spirit. We have order. We have things that we run through. We have a routine, and we've talked about this the first few weeks as well, where this routine creates this foundation for us to start understanding and predicting to some degree how God is going to move, right? That we hear that saying, God can't move a... a God, God can move a steering ship, right? You can't just sit idly. So we do some work. We have to come prepared. We come prepared with our expectation. We come prepared with a plan. Okay, let's, let's do some things. Let's, let's worship God. Let we understand, based on the Bible, some things that God wants in his community. So let's, let's follow some of that and let him do the rest. And so some weeks, it's just the same routine. We go through it. God's in it, and he's faithful that way. And other weeks, he does stuff like he does today, where he starts, he breaks out, and it's a little more dramatic. It's a little more, um, it's a little different than what we're used to. So in the New Testament, Paul writes a lot of these letters to churches, and we're going to read from 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 33. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace." How can you contribute to the building of the corporate gathering on Sunday? That's the next slide question. How can you, so individual now, how can you engage or contribute to the building of our corporate gathering on Sunday? And we'll use Promise Church. I mean, we're here at Promise Church. This is the church that we go to. So let's get some ideas. How can you engage or contribute to the building up of our corporate gathering like Paul is saying? What we, one of the first things we see is that this corporate gathering follows an order. So like I said, we come prepared with some planning, right? So Paul even says that, come prepared with. Everyone has something to bring. So there's preparation involved in this. We don't, just, we don't always just wing it. We celebrate in our church history, we do, we do celebrate spontaneity to some degree. But too much spontaneity actually is a detriment to the work of God. And we see this because Paul is actually calling out the Corinthian church for being ununited through this, this people are talking over each other. There isn't order. And this is what he's addressing. So he's, he's not giving a specific do worship in this order. What he's saying is there needs to be order. So let people speak. Now, I think one of the reasons for this is because, I mean, what God has to say is valuable. So give everybody their chance. Everyone brings something, so everybody should have that chance. Everything is valuable. So we see this, and, and at Promise, you know, there, there are some things that we can also take away from this. So um, the order is expected to be done by the community is the other huge point of this. If you remember last summer by any chance, one of the, the, this message is actually partially influenced by this one. This idea that what's being presented here is a community-directed service. Paul is the closest thing we see in this passage to any pastoral role. Pastoral roles is definitely something that's been in our, our, our 
history, and, and there's clergy and this, this kind of stuff. And again, that's a whole other, we could talk about that for hours. And I think actually some of that might come out in forum next week. I'm not 100% sure, but it, we, we could get there. Um, but what Paul is describing here is there's no pastor here necessarily. This is a service put on by the community. So come prepared, bring what you have. The corporate gathering is only valuable to others and to yourself when you're obedient to the work of God. So if you aren't engaging, this is really important, if you are not engaging, then you miss the entire point of why we're here. This service is not for you. It's not for you. It is for the building of this church. It is for the building of God's church. So you have something to offer. Don't tell me you don't have anything. Don't say you have a testimony. You have stories. You have the ability to pray. You don't just come here to watch what I have to say. There are opportunities in our service to engage with, and I'm, I'm going to go through that just very practically. So again, let's read 1 Corinthians. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building of church. We've been talking a lot about spiritual leadership. That's what this is. This is spiritual leadership. You come to church as a spiritual leader. You come to God's corporate gathering as a spiritual leader. How are you going to lead here? We, there's, there's, there's stuff that happens outside of the church, and there's stuff that happens inside of the church. We have the opportunity to spiritually lead in this church. So when we sing worship, don't just sing because the worship leader is telling you to. Come prepared with your own praise for God. Don't just complain about the songs that you don't like or don't feel like singing. If you don't like what's being presented or what's being worshipped to, the songs, you know, we, again, there's order to it, then come with your own. Don't just wait. Don't just wait to be appeased. Well, this isn't, this isn't the song I want to sing, so I'm just going to wait till it's over and get to the part of the service that I really want to. That's not the point. We're presenting an opportunity for you to be in worship and to express your own praise. Do that how you feel fits. We present that opportunity. We sing because it's engaging. We sing because it's an easy form of corporate worship and a corporate engagement. It's really easy to engage with. It really is. There's, there's very few artistic expressions of praise that are more easy to engage with than music. There's, there's, there's other opportunities in service to do other things and to worship in other ways. But singing is just, I mean, biblically speaking, this is one of the traditional ways that we can express praise to God. So it's not about what songs we're singing that you like or don't like. You can trust God to be in those words. You can trust them to be moving. But if, if it's really inhibiting for you, then praise in your own way. Sing in prayer. Be prayerful. Engage in worship because it's obedience to God. So let God prepare your heart is the other thing. Don't just, again, don't just come here for yourself. Allow God to prepare your heart for what he is going to do on Sunday. It's not when, it's not what point in the service is God going to do something. He is doing something the entire service. And if you're not coming prepared, if you don't expect it, then you're just going to miss it. And, and that's, going to, that's not just going to be a, 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 um, a detriment to you. It's going to actually be a detriment to the community that God's trying to build. Because what you have to bring is valuable. And again, we're not doing this by our own strength. This is the Holy Spirit coming in, engaging in our worship, and leading us into opportunities of spiritual leadership. We are being obedient to the will of God. So when we worship, sing your own song. When we praise, when we have break, don't just use it as snack time. Come prepared. Ask, ask God, is there someone I can pray for? Who needs to hear my testimony this week? God is going to do amazing things on those little simple those little simple questions. He, he really will. God will do things in those little faith, those faithful moments of obedience where you just say, okay, God, what do you want me to bring? 
Sometimes it won't be that big a deal. Sometimes it'll be very small. Say hi to this person. Sometimes it'll maybe be a little scarier and a little bigger. I want you to pray for that person. During experiential discipleship, come prepared to share. What, what stood out to you in the passage we read? To share it. What's, share a story of God's faithfulness during the, our testimony building. Ask God who you need to go over and pray for and just offer what you have. During the message, engage on Slack discussion. Share your questions and your thoughts. Let God be a part of this exploration. Just as he's in the exploration of the preparation of the message, why shouldn't we expect that he's in the exploration of this? Of course, when I'm speaking, when whoever's preaching up here, questions are going to be left undone because we can't say every single thing and everything you'd ever want to know in 20 minutes each week. It's just too much. So let God be in the exploration. Questions that you have might be a question that someone else has. Again, this is us being obedient. God leads that discussion. Sometimes it's that simple. So the opportunities and promise, they are, they are here for you to do something. They are here for, you can bring a hymn, you can bring a prophecy and a revelation. Those opportunities are here. And we have to be obedient. We must be obedient. Remember, worship is an act of obedience to God. This is something we do. This is something that defines us as people. This is who we are. So we have to engage in the building of his corporate gathering. And again, God prescribes this. This isn't us telling you that this is what this is. God prescribes this, and he invites. So when you don't engage, it's not you being, I don't like what they're saying. I don't like how they're leading. No, this is, this is you're not trusting God to be in the process. And that's important. We have to trust that God will be in the process because he is. One of the things we see, and this is where I'm going to bring back what we did this morning, engagement in the church breeds engagement. Is it easier to sing in a room where one person is singing or where everybody is singing? Is it easier to come up to the front and respond to a call when everybody does it or when one person does it? And everybody knows the answer to that, and yet we're always so scared to be the first one to take that step, to be obedient to what God's doing. And sometimes the way God moves is just a matter of how you perceive it. It's, it's not always dramatic. I'm jumping ahead a little because we're, we're definitely over time. So I have an example. I, wanna, I have a story I want to share. Michaela and I went to retreat a few weeks, a month ago or so. It was a couple of days and a couple of nights. And after the retreat on our drive home, I asked her a question. I said, okay, so this is a spiritual retreat, sorry. And, and I asked her on the way home, and I said, so Michaela, what did God say to you this weekend? And she said, and I have my permission to say this, so she said, oh, it's nothing like that, but I really liked what this person said. Now, you can see where I'm going with this. So I asked the question, so what did God say to you? And she missed it because she thought that for some reason God wasn't speaking to her when that person was speaking to her. And sometimes it's that simple promise. Sometimes God speaks to you in the process. He's faithful to the process. And if we're looking at it the wrong way, if we don't know where to look, then we will miss it. So we get so wrapped up in our idea of what it looks like when God's moving. So when it's dramatic, let's just be clear. When it's dramatic, it's obvious. We all know that. When, when it's emotional, when worship is emotional and it's dramatic and something changes in our order of service, everybody knows something's going on. And we know God's moving there, right? But when it's not dramatic, why do we think that God's not moving in that? If it's not dramatic, it doesn't mean God's not in it. It means he's just not being dramatic that day. And we have been, we have, we have seriously elevated the idea of emotionalism in a service. We really have. This is, this is not anyone's necessarily fault. This is just kind of the trajectory of the church over the past years. Emotionalism is part of what we kind of affirm. We, we kind of pursue it to some degree. Oh, we want God to be emotional. God, do something today. And then it's not emotional. Oh, I guess we'll wait till next week for God to do something. And so God doesn't always move like that. 
You see, sometimes it's really simple. Sometimes it's, it's not true. It's like that story in the car. So I asked Mikhail, what did God say to you? Well, this person said something that stood out. That's God. Trust that that's God. Do you think these people are just making this stuff up? Do you think that God can't be in that process? One of the questions I want to ask here is, when someone offers to pray for you, are you going to miss the fact that God is in the moment of the prayer, or are you only going to give him the credit when the prayer gets answered? Just think about that for a second. How many times do we say that? I want you to pray. You know, if someone comes up to you and says, oh, I, I feel I need to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And you say, sure, I'm open to prayer. God's already there. Where two or three are gathered, I'm in your, I'm, there I am in your midst. He's right there, and until something dramatic happens, it's hard to see. So I'm going to give you a very practical exercise in closing. There, there are some layers of how you can really engage, how you can get more out and kind of learn how God speaks. The first thing is the same question I asked Michaela. Walk away from a service every single Sunday and point out one thing that stood out to you and then thank God for it. And you will start realizing very quickly that God speaks a lot more often than you might be used to. And it's not always going to be emotional. Those are fun, those are exciting, and sometimes they bring tears and it's amazing, but it's not always like that. Sometimes you come with the expectation and God honors your expectation and says, okay, you were here for the right reason, you brought something, you were obedient, here I go. Now, there, I know there are some people probably asking the question in your head, okay, so what if, what if I come to church and I'm just empty and I, I have nothing to give? My, my, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. My biggest challenge to you is to still be ready to give something and trust that God knows you much better than you do. And if you think you're not ready to give, you might be surprised that he's got a lot left for you to do. And sometimes he might actually be okay with that. Say, you're right. Today you're just here to receive. But if you don't come with the expectation, you're just being disobedient. You're not coming here with the right attitude. You're not expecting God to do something. And at the end of the day, this is what's really important. We need to expect God to be faithful in the process. I am so over time. <laughs> so stop asking what you're going to get out of this service every week. Stop asking that question. What is God going to do for me this week? What's God going to say to me? What's he going to do to me? Start asking him what you can bring. Start asking him what you can do. Who can I speak to? It can be that simple. Who can I say hi to? Who can I engage with? There's, again, there's, there's levels of maturity here. At some point, it's just that question. I just need to kind of get my feet wet. Who can I say hi to? Who can I encourage? God might push you a little further at some point. Who can you pray for? Oh, God, I don't want to pray for anybody. It's like, you know, it's scary. It's intimidating. Sometimes it gets to that point. Sometimes God's going to tell you to come up here and share something very openly. And it's not a matter of, oh, I don't want to. It's, it's a matter of, are you going to be obedient to the will of God? Because at the end of the day, God gives us free will, and we actually have the choice to say no. That's kind of sad to some degree, but again, it's not going to compel us. God's not going to force us to do his will if we don't come with the right attitude and we don't come with the right expectation. So we need to come with that. God's already done all the work. He's given us all the reason and more for being here and worshiping him. This is a gathering focused on his saving action. It's a gathering set up by him. It's valuable to us because of him. So why do we come with the expectation that we just wait for something to happen? He's already here. He's here as soon as you walk in this door. God's doing something. So start learning to see it. And the best part about this process is being, doing this together, if, if this is challenging for you, if you don't understand exactly how that looks, that's what we're here for. We, we build each other together. Ask that question. How do I see God moving in these times? I don't see him. And, and, and this is what we do. We build into each other. 
So I'm going to pray. God, you are so faithful. Lord, we thank you for this, this process. And God, we, we confess and apologize that sometimes we miss what you're doing. Father, we want to be obedient to you. God, you commanded of us. And in sometimes it's just difficult, sometimes it's challenging, but God, you know us so much better than we do. And God, you can push us to do more things than we could ever imagine. And so God, I pray, I pray that you will work in our hearts at Promise Church. God, that you would change our expectation of what it looks like when you're moving. God, that you would remind us that it's simple, it's not always complicated. And God, that we wouldn't elevate our expectation over the real expectation that you ask of us. God, we come to you in obedience and we thank you, Lord, for all the words you've spoken to us, for all the community that you've built over these past few weeks. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Promise, thank you so much. There's a lot going on in Slack right now. I will, if there are questions or things, I will engage with it at some point. Give me a bit of time. Maybe tomorrow I'll get to it. Um, but other than that, thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.